I just don't want to look for my validation or for my happiness at the, at the hands of strangers, because they're a fickle bunch and they'll turn against you as quick as they lift you up, right? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Books Closed. I'm your host, Andrew Stortz. And before we get started, I need to do two very lame things. That first lame thing is to point out that whether this is your first or your 50th time with me here, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're liking, thumbs upping, five-star reviews, sharing, all that stuff, because it helps new people find the show, and it also helps to ensure that you don't miss future episodes of the show yourself. And I thank you for doing that. Now, my second lame thing, because, you know, we're coming into the holiday season. Everyone's trying to sell you stuff, and I am no better, okay? I'm going to be honest. Booksclosedpodcast.com. I've got some merch up there. What better way to show that you support this show? Go check it out. Booksclosedpodcast.com. Oh, okay. Got that out of the way. And it's a good thing because this is going to be a fantastic episode because it is part two of my conversation with Philip Liu. Last week, I put out part one and I've been getting an insane amount of positive feedback since then. And I want to thank you all, everyone who reached out and shared, and even if you just enjoyed the episode quietly to yourself. And I am so happy that you all enjoyed the episode as much as I hoped you would. The second part, it's just as good. We talk about the old days, about the new days, and everything in between. And the only way that these episodes have been possible are because of my fantastic sponsors. We've got Tattoo Dream, Doss M., Tattoo Nectar, Black Dagger Books, and here is a very brief message from our first sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Equal Vision Records. Any regular listener of this show knows that my ultimate dream guest is Fred Durst. He used to tattoo. Did you know that? I may have mentioned that before. Anyway, although he's the best musician as far as I'm concerned, I guess I should still mention the next best thing in music. Equal Vision Records. I grew up listening to tons of Equal Vision bands, and if you've spent time in tattoo shops, you surely have heard some too. We're talking bands like Hot Water Music, Yellow Card, Saves the Day, Anne Berlin, Hail the Sun, Polyphia, and the list goes on and on, and it's far too long to share anymore right now, but I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. Head over to equalvision.shop today and get 20% off your order with discount code BOOKSCLOSE. That's all one word. This excludes pre-order items, but everything else is ready to get packed up and delivered to your doorstep. You won't find any Limp Bizkit albums there, but you can't hold it against them. That's discount code BOOKSCLOSED at equalvision.shop for 20% off your order. And now, let's get into part two of my conversation with Philip Liu. Ink master. <laughs> Sometimes I'm yelling at the screen, uh, I wouldn't have gone very far on that show. I would have been eliminated fucking second fucking... Yeah, I would have lost on the ice sculptures or something like that. <laughs> You're out! Um, yeah, when they have you pinstriping a motorcycle before the tattoo challenge. I was in Bologna a few years back with... Uh, oh, I had his name on the tip of my tongue. A 90-year-old tattoo... What's his name? Doc Price. In his early nineties, still tattooing, and he was up on stage judging with us. And I'm sitting next to him, and he was great. You see somebody get up at the end of the stage, and he's like, "Nope." I'm like, "What do you mean, nope? We haven't even seen it yet." He goes, "Don't care. Too many lines. It's all black." But he was right. He, he was very 
spot on. He's like, I don't care what it is. First impression from a distance, blob. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it's not going to age well. And he, he, he's been doing it long enough to know. I did notice that in Ibiza in the 90s. We lived a couple of years in the early 90s on the island of Ibiza. A lot of British tourists there. Be driving the van down by the beach and you'd see all these sunburnt British tourists walking along in shorts. The guy had like a leaping leopard in yellow on his back. You'd see it from two blocks away, right? Drive past him. It was the most simplistic outline, the size of your pinky. <laughs> blasted in like like a sticker and colored in flat yellow. Really effective. Yeah. Like really effective. Okay, I understand that's not for everybody. I was on a festival in uh, Portugal, 2012, I think some Psytrance festival. I see a guy walking from a distance with a black arm, me and Titi, and we're walking along and we're talking about, oh, look, black arm, I wonder why they do that, I don't know. It gets a bit closer and I'm like, it's not all black, actually, there's something going on there. And he got a bit closer and I was like, actually, I could see mandalas on his arm. And when he walked past me, it was all dot work from Z to head. It was highly detailed. Hmm. And so I kind of went, yeah, okay. I enjoyed that arm in like four different ways. First it was black. Then it was weird shapes. Then it was mandalas. And now I see it's dot work. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, I don't want it all one way. I don't feel compelled to follow the latest trend of the hyper-realistic full color, glossy lips with the little like water dripping on it, on the, on the, whatever. It's fine. I don't think the work I do is any less good because it's fast and simple. Simple is actually the opposite of easy. It's hard to make a really nice, clean, simple piece. Yeah, it's, it's way too easy to overdo. Yeah. Yeah, you can't hide. It's, it's one of the best things of old school that's the most difficult. Is you can't hide. If the line's off, it's off. Mm -hmm. I like the new old school stuff. I mean, the old school, old school stuff where the tigers look inbred, I don't see the point. You know, when they make it especially goofy and stupid looking, mm -hmm. I don't understand the reasoning behind that. Why not make it look cool? Yeah. It's not that hard. It's just a... Limitation of the time, perhaps? No, definite style. Yeah. Choice. Is it easy to make something goofy rather than something cool? I don't know. Depends. I was drawn to drawing skulls and demons because it's easier than pretty women. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So it was a place to hide. Mm -hmm. Are there any newer styles or newer stuff you've seen that you really are drawn to in any way? Graphic, good graphics, the Steve Moores. Um, since I do love comics, okay, I, I, comics were a big part of my childhood, and I do see my tat or tattooing as more of a comic style of art rather than a oil painting comics have good guidelines the solid outline solid black and white contrasts you know rules of comic books could be really well applied to tattooing yeah so i i, I like what i see i suppose they call it new school 
minimum use of pig colours, a good use of empty skin, but very high-tech graphism. I was drawn to that. James Tex, uh, has so many names I don't even know, but I like Joel Ang's work a lot. I'm less interested in the geometry. Some good stuff being done in that. Gakin and his friend, I forget his friend's name, uh, insane 400-hour bodysuits and stuff of, of high-detailed graphism, which is cool. I'm not inclined to want to do it. Uh, I feel like that's kind of like conceptual work, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I like, when, I like when I can recognize somebody for his style, which is a hard thing to do today since we're more and more. Yeah. And it seems quite sad that if you work at a, say, if you do perfect Marquesian tattooing, you're lost in the mix. Mm. Yeah, or, you can be too good or too sharp at something. Almost. Then, there, then there's, there's a whole bunch of them and then you don't know who's who anymore. Or if you're a perfect illustra- uh, copier, like a, doing skulls out of an anatomy book and you do it perfect, suddenly you don't have a style anymore, right? Yeah, well, that's like a technical feat more than an expression. Yeah, so... It's like Frank Zappa we were watching last night. Yep. All the mistakes, that's the... That's that's what defines us, right? Yeah. Or it's that old saying I heard that if you do a mistake long enough, people end up calling it a style. Yeah. It's very true mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. That's what I told myself when I first started and I was making mistakes that were not stylistic. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, you can start believing that. I was so pleased with myself every decade, if you will. I thought I'd gotten somewhere. And now I look back going, where would I? <laughs> just my water hurts evolved. If I just, one day it'd be interesting to just find a, a water every year and just see that the changes. It's gotten bigger and simpler and bolder. Is that a deliberate choice? Yeah. Do you, you do look back and you identify? What I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. What I see is, it's unfortunate it takes a while. <laughs> but yeah, the water that was too small and too tight is now closed up and it's not, it's not got enough white in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too busy. I mean, my work was so busy and it's getting simpler and simpler. I think that's what's so striking about it, to see a full back and it's like one wave. <laughs> it's so much more powerful than even the most cool interesting drawn waves obviously if there's too much of it it just it doesn't have the same impact and hearing you talk about influence from comic book art it makes a lot of sense yeah i mean tattooers that were influential to me ed hardy after my father right hardy Horiyoshi, haritoshi kuranuma the dutchman greg irons fucking luke atkinson paul booth where I tattooed nothing like Paul, but I learned a lot about contrast from the man. I I enjoyed trying to figure out what it was that I liked about his sleeves, and then I realized he's very good with contrast. You could take a normal Japanese sleeve the way we see him today, with all the water and the splashes, and lay a very light film of gray over all the water bars and leave the finger wave skin and it'll jump out at you, right? Mm -hmm. The simplest of tricks. Just remove very light tone of gray on anything that's not a finger wave. Amazing contrast. 
I had to I had to hang out with Paul and look at him work to figure that one out through him. That was one of the reasons of art fusion. What I've why I enjoyed it, why I endeavoured to do it for the bunch of years we did it was, I started to realise that artistically, back then there weren't that many art school graduates in tattooing. We're all self-made artists, and we're all incomplete. It's like if there was 12 steps, I knew six, he knew four, he knew eight, yeah. And by getting us together and working together, we hopefully had all 12 steps like yeah. sorted between us to be able to create a good piece of art because there are rules to the game, color compositions, color contrasts, all these different things that are like knowing your scales in music, right? Understanding tricks in, in, in sound engineering. If you don't know the basics, the simple things, you'll struggle. Right. And we were all rather incomplete as, as artists. We're all specialized in some things and are very weak in others. And that, that was fun with the art fusion, that when you got the right mix of people together, so you made really good, good art, the best of everybody put together. And then you can all take that forward with your own stuff. Yep. Hopefully you pick something up and you understand because it's by doing that I learn. Mm-hmm. Reading is the worst way for me to learn something. Watching is better, but doing together is really it. That's where I really, it clicks. Guy, I did a few, couple of paintings with Guy. Really fun guy to work with, Guy Atchison. Really good teacher. Yeah, I really enjoyed working with him and I walked away with a bunch of, learned those things from him just in one painting. Yeah, it seems like he's put a lot of focus into teaching and sharing over the years to the point where I'm sure it's sharpened his own awareness of why he does what he does. Yeah. But he's good. Some people are good at sharing knowledge. He's got a gift. Other people are a little tighter. You've got to hang in there. and They don't know how to explain themselves, so they can only show. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the aptitude to pick up. And other ones are just impossible. (laughs) 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 Yeah, just because somebody's great at doing something doesn't mean that they're the right person to pass it along. No. The idea of, I hear a lot of people, usually people who don't make art will talk about a natural artist. They say, well, you're, I mean, you're obviously a natural artist. I resent that. Yeah, me too. I think it's unfair. I think that people do have aptitudes, this I'll agree, but people go, oh, you're so lucky. You grew up in a family of artists. It's easy for you. Hey, man, I worked really fucking hard. You know, don't belittle my efforts that I've put in. Yeah. That some people have, um, like, musical aptitude, the same thing. Yes, some people are more inclined. I've taught tattooing to people that have great recall, like Vito de Marvel. I was amazed at the speed he learned. He picked up so quick and he remembered. I was really impressed. And it's the way he approaches everything. Some people just know how to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So they can, you can apply absolutely. that to anything. Yeah, absolutely. If you know the foundations of how to learn, then it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And we all know people who are good at everything. I saw a TED talk about that, about how learning takes about 20 hours to learn to ride a motorcycle, if you give it your undivided attention, you should learn in about 20 hours. 
to become an expert writer will take 10,000 hours, which is five years. Mm-hmm. But the learning process is not that hard and not that long, you know. But people put blocks in front of themselves, so oh, I can't do that. I'll never learn. It's like I never thought I'd learn to record music until I sat down and had fun with it, and then it just, okay. It's just a mental decision to, yeah, I think I can do this. Did you have blocks like that with tattooing and art stuff? I had a reluctance to, not tattooing, no. Once I got in it, I was gung-ho. Like I say, my father, Felix, and Loretta taught me art. They both did art school. They got different styles, and I see both of them in my art. And my next main teacher for art, not tattooing, was Mick from Zurich. I learned a good chunk about painting from him. He opened my eyes to a few things. I still haven't painted a portrait. I have no inclination to do it. Could I do it? Probably. I just don't want to. You know, it's it's the desire as well. If I don't have the desire to do something, I'm not going to learn it. We talked about quitting smoking. 40 years, 45 years of smoking tobacco, and I quit last year. Tried that stupid vape for months, but that was even worse. I'm like, fuck this. I either smoke or I don't, and I quit. I don't need hypnotherapy or needles in my ears or nicotine gum or all the rest of it. You just quit. And it's, I think if you, if you want to do something and you put your mind to do it, doing it, you got a good chance you can do it. I mean, maybe some things are out of my reach. I'll never be an astronaut, but, <laughs> 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 you know, that you can be whatever you want to be. It's true and it's not. Yeah, within reason. Within reason. There's an asterisk after that. Yeah. I think my, my thought on the natural ability thing is more that, and which is why I was interested to talk to you about it, um, because I think the way that you were raised with your parents, you, you do, not discrediting the work that you put in, but I think the only natural thing is like an appreciation or a passion or like a sensibility. I think about kids who are like a nine-year-old who's a violin virtuoso. They probably grew up in a house with musician parents, or at least parents who loved music, always played music, and it like plants that seed that like, this is cool, this is what I want to do, I want to be obsessed with this. Yeah, I don't think Mozart fucking wrote his first symphony at seven because he wanted to. Right. His dad pushed him. Yeah. I mean, Beethoven got beaten so bad he went deaf in the end, right? And these are not natural abilities. No. No, you, you can't be born and write a symphony. You need, no. need to learn a lot and cover a Agreed. lot of ground. Agreed. And uh, yeah, I agree that it's like diminishing to efforts that people put in. Yeah. But I mean, I understand in, in the case of like a Mozart because most seven-year-olds are not capable of that. So we think there must be some like cosmic fucking gift to them. But right, they're just they're like a boy, kid geniuses. You see them around. Some people are very fucking... It works. Yeah. You know, but they it's understand. It's like kids who speak lots of languages or learn to read at age three. Yeah. Some are wired better. Mm-hmm. Lucky. They could be good at whatever they want to do. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They've got the aptitude to learn, to recall, to... But I don't think I'm one of those. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. I have to work kind of harder for it. But my parents did install in me the idea that to enjoy if you enjoy what you're doing, 
even though learning can be painful and usually is at points, frustrations, blocks, hurdles and all of that, I did have this idea that enjoy what you do or don't do it. You know, if, what's the point, right? But you need those lows too to mix in with the, the small steps forward. Well, I, I know people that do apprenticeships. I've talked to many a customer that have done apprenticeships that they hated and they never used this in life. It was just a thing they had to do. Oh, I've got to, I'll be an electrician. And then as soon as they, they get out of school, they go and do something completely different. So you'd wonder what was the point. What a waste of fucking, you know... But most people probably aren't passionate about trades like that. But some are. Should be. Yeah. What's wrong with it, you know? Well, it seems like if it's like, oh, my father was an electrician, so now I'm an electrician, I took over the business. I feel like those are the people that end up with it, which makes me think that just that exposure, it makes it look like a cool, viable, interesting, honorable, whatever it may be to a kid. It's like, yeah, my dad did it and he was great at it and I want to be great at it too. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. Look at yourself. You did music school and chose to be a tattoo artist. I didn't choose to be a tattoo artist. It came to my life. It came to me. Yeah. There wasn't a choice. I accepted it. Right? I'm always interested in people that had alternate lives before. And one day went, fuck all of that. I'm now going to be a tattoo artist. As a conscious choice different approach it was easy great I'll do what my dad does it's, it's, it's cool I started I was 16 the first time I tattooed a convention in Amsterdam there's Hardy over there Greg Irons over there Bob Roberts you know there I was fucking I was like this is <laughs> great I like this you know did you ever step away to do something else this episode is sponsored by Tattoo Dream Have you ever wished you could bring all of your reference and sketchbooks with you wherever you went? The tools from Tattoo Dream allow you to do just that with their Procreate stamp brushes, digital flash, and downloadable books. Don't worry if your walls are already full or if your bag's a little too heavy. Let your iPad do the heavy lifting and load it up with all the reference a tattooer could ever need. You will have access to unlimited design elements whether you're at the shop, at home, or on the road. Everything on TattooDream.com is designed by a collective of the world's leading tattooers, including Paul Dobelman, Danny Derrick, Valerie Vargas, Austin Maples, Tony Nelson, and many, many more. Tattoo Dream also has streamable seminars that cover the topics of drawing, painting, and photography, so you can continue to expand your knowledge base. Once you've enrolled in a course, you can take your time at your own pace on your own schedule. Head over to TattooDream.com today to see for yourself. And I'm having some tattoo dreams of my own right now. This episode is sponsored by Tattoo Nectar, an all-natural skin cream infused with CBD for use on healing and healed tattoos. Tattoo Nectar is a small business based in the great state of Michigan. Founded in 2021 when tattooers Julian Bast and Danny Garbiras teamed up with the hemp power couple Drew and Caitlin Connor. The Connors had made a healing cell for their family and community for years that helped with an array of skin conditions. When Bast, who I'd like to add is one of my favorite tattooers of all time, I digress. When Bast used their salve to heal a tattoo, he was blown away at how it helped that healing process and instantly thought about the benefits that it could offer to his clients. Long story short, they all teamed up, 
worked to fine tune the recipe to really make this the perfect product for tattoos. These are high quality ingredients packed with five times the CBD of other brands and lab tested to ensure your safety during use. There were no corners cut here and you can read all about the specifics at tattoonectar.com. And while you're there, use the discount code BOOKSCLOSED, that's all one word, BOOKSCLOSED for 20% off your order. For shops or anyone interested in wholesale inquiries or any other questions, use the contact form on their website. This is a thoughtfully crafted product made with love and care by the people who know so do yourself a favor and do your clients a favor and get some Tattoo Nectar today. TattooNectar.com and that's discount code BOOKSCLOSED for 20% off your order. Did you ever step away to do something else? Yeah, after my first 10 years, 93, I flipped out. I've been working in California. I did New York, California, India, and I just burned out. And I went, I can't do this anymore. I've been pushing myself really hard, really hard, and I just flipped. And I went, I'm out, I'm done. Fuck tattooing, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I wanted to stab people with the machine. I had no patience for it. I decided I wanted to be a musician. Moved to Spain with my brother and Titin on the island of Ibiza, I got a small house and did music for a year. An hour of scales every morning and we had a set, rehearsed a set, write songs, play, 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 play. It took me a year to get my head out the first layer of the clouds and start to look around music and see how much there was to learn. And by the second season on the island, I was tattooing again. It took me a year off. I started dreaming about tattooing and I said to him, what are you doing? You got 10 years in and now you're trying to join a profession which is even more competitive than tattooing, right? Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. So, you know, go back to what you've started. And I came back with fresh eyes and I treated myself a little better, worked a little less hard. I mean, I stopped, I stopped pushing in 2020 2019 was, came to a cusp, I was doing nine hour days. Uh, and it just, my shoulder crapped out. I got tinnitus and arthritis. I was in bed with like a broken bird for three months and horrendous pain. Like serious, never had pain like that in my life before. It scared the shit out of me. Then another two months off, and then I did 2020, I tattooed uh, six months, like not more than an hour and a half, two hours a day. Next year, three hours. Now I might do four tops, but I don't push myself like before. I can't, my body won't do it. Because I, I really got into it. I mean, it was, you know, Filling in two legs with black and white water in three sessions. I mean, just madness, right? Like crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. All these anesthetics that hit the market, people showing up with their pockets full of cream and crap like that, you know? Sprays and topicals and all the rest of it. It was doing me in. You can't even get them to tap out. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're superhuman. Superhuman, yeah. They're all creamed up. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you worry about the future? 
I mean, it's just the reality that our bodies don't get better with time. Oh, my future. Yeah. I'm 56, 66, 76. It's getting hard around then, I reckon. I reckon I could do another 20 years. No big deal. Uh, just adapt, space myself. Maybe I'll end up using the dildos, who knows? For the moment, I'm still a bit of a fool. I like to do big work and get it done. I work standing up because I can work quicker. I don't have back aches anymore. I got ankle pain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, beat up a different part of your body. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I enjoy work. I don't work, like I say, I don't work like before. Yeah. I guess maybe, and go with me here. It's a controversial idea. You tattoo so many tattooers, you get the lines in, you do a little work, and then you pass in the machine and say, can you just fill this part in for me? I'm going to go have lunch. <laughs> no, I've, I've actually said, get your friends to put the color in if it's there till, like, they live at the other side of the planet. I'm like, I'll even give them a fucking printout with the colors I want done in it, you know? <laughs> it's very generous. Well, it's better to have the piece looking good than unfinished. True. I'm not so territorial like... Some people get super uber touchy if you go near their work. It's like, how dare you touch my tattoo? It's like, yeah. chill the fuck out. It's not even yours. It belongs to them. Right. They can do what they want with the work. They paid for it. Mm -hmm. They wear it. You know, if somebody would come in with a full line job from somebody else who wants me to finish it, I want to know why. Yeah. I might even want to talk to the guy who did it first off just to be sure. Yeah. Because I'm not out to hurt people's feelings. But I'll finish it. If I work around other people's work and there's colors falling out, I'll fix it up. It's, you, you know, you try and make it look good. Yeah. That's the objective. If, if there's some people are fun to play with, Mick, Luke, uh, different ones like that, beat, where I can blend my work into their work and you don't even know it's somebody else, you know? Yeah. That's super successful. That's nice. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm all about making sure the piece looks good. Because that's the whole point. To me, that is the point. Yeah. Not into the apprentices, we really did that a little bit. Even though I help a lot of people more, more loosely, I'll give advice and guidance and stuff like that. I've got a bunch of people that I see regularly that show me their work and I tell them what I think, so it's not in a formal apprenticeship. Just plant the seeds and let them water it on their own. Hmm. Found that out about, you know, secret knowledge. Secrets, if the guy doesn't have an aptitude, you can tell him the secret and it can't make a difference. <laughs> if he doesn't know how to put it to use, yeah. it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. And if he does, improve the profession. I'm still of that mind. Some weird attitudes I've heard people talk about. Oh, don't listen to him. He uses the old song machine. He doesn't know anything. Really? <laughs> oh, really? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, it's like a shield. Or somebody feeling like maybe they're falling out of the, the rat race a little bit, so they need to put a reason to why people are catching up. I've deliberately done it over the years where I look at some people's work, but I don't spend time scrolling through other tattooers' work. I don't. I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't want to get influenced. I want to stay on track of what I like. Yeah. 
and what I've been following for a while, and, and it's so there's so much information out there now. It's it's insane, right? Yeah, I wonder where the breaking point is where it's too much, where we get sucked in too much to just taking it all in, where it's not doing anything anymore. Well, you lose yourself. I, I don't know. You've watched me over the last day or two. What do I watch? A lot of garbage when I'm drawing and stuff. I'll put on the lowest of the lowest crap on YouTube. The, the dumbest humans on the planet, I usually find it distracting and amusing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like background. Yeah. I feel like that's almost like a cleaner deal than just scrolling through tattoos. Sometimes I feel like I get sucked in and I'm just like scrolling and I'm seeing all these amazing tattoos and I'm like at the forefront of my head, I'm like, this is great. I'm researching, I'm learning, I'm, I'm seeing different things, but it's, I don't think it, it's not helping a lot of times. Well, I mean, when it comes time for you to sit down and draw somebody, do you access these memories? Do you remember a thing you saw that you liked and you want to try? I'm sure I do, but probably not proportionally to the amount of time that I waste on the flip side, does it destroy your confidence and make you feel smaller and less powerful and less less confident? Probably because, proportionally more than it should. <laughs> you know, every time I come back from a convention, having played judge and big mouth and giving fucking opinions, yeah, I am well shook up and I sit down and fucking, you know, it whips me back into shape because, mm. you know, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to judge this work. It's such a high quality. Yeah, You know, I come back thanking my stars my work wasn't on stage you know because uh yeah it scares me you know too. yeah you want to hold yourself to that standard yeah which is not a bad thing no you know whatever motivates us usually i work for my friends i used to work for my dad but he's not here anymore but now i work for luke or something like that or make people i know when i'm I'm doing something i'm having fun i'm like yeah i can't wait to show them or TT, no, my mom, or you know. Yeah, the people who will see something subtle and go, "Oh, never seen you do that before." Or, or that count because I don't have an Instagram. Empty praise or praise from unknown faces—it's kind of scary too. Because who are they, and what does it actually mean? I saw this one influencer. I done a London show, right? So. Scrolling up and over YouTube, I find this chick, she, I'm going to the London show, you know. So you see her at her house and getting ready and uh, uh, the, the duck face and call the Uber and, uh, and the Uber and then on the train, ooh, I'm on the train and then she's outside the convention and the long line and she gets in and oh my God. And it was interesting to see the convention from her point of view as an outsider because yeah. we're on the inside, right? huge and noisy and scary and she waits for a friend and then they go around like ooh and the booth and everything's amazing 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 filming all these things random shit gets a little tattoo it's amazing and it goes downstairs and buys some tattoo clothing and it's amazing and then she goes to mcdonald's and it's all amazing and then she goes back home and it's amazing and then i found her next blog and it was her going to fucking some shoe shop and everything was amazing and and I was like, her opinion of what I do doesn't count as much to me as a friend of mine who knows my work, right? Sometimes people don't even have an opinion because they, they're so wrapped up in like being the storyteller and they... Or everything was on the same level yeah. for her. Mm-hmm. From the fucking cheese chips she got to the tattoo she got to the weird belt she bought to the, yeah. you know, it was all the same. And right? that's why internet content like that cannot last. There's no... 
like there's no substance to it. Yeah. But it's hard because somebody who's critical of things, that can also get old if somebody's like overcritical of a lot of things. So it's just like a, a, a weird place that we're in where we're trying to like appease that kind of, like the same person who watches her videos, maybe we want them to watch our tattoos or the videos we have to make of our tattoos or whatever it is. And it's, it's like a weird clash of... Well, that's why I chose to be a voyeur as far as the internet goes. I don't have Instagram. I don't... I've never liked a single thing in my life. I've never put up a public moment in my life. I've never interacted with anybody online at all. I'm a ghost. This episode is sponsored by DOS M. Over the last couple of episodes, I've told you about some of the different services offered by DOS M. Well, they also specialize in building custom websites. They actually originated as a response to seeing business owners getting ripped off by other crummy website companies. Unlike those other companies, DOS M doesn't lock you into contracts to keep you on the hook forever, and they even offer complimentary training sessions so you don't feel lost when it comes to maintaining the website on your own. Every custom website built by DOS M is unique to you to best represent your brand and style while emphasizing performance and functionality. Fun fact, most web users will only visit one page and spend less than one minute on a website, so every second counts. Head over to digitaltattooers.com today to set up your free consultation, which is normally $500. And because you're a loyal Books Close listener, mention this episode and you'll also get 50% off all DOSM services with a $1,000 credit right off the bat. All you have to do is reach out before the end of 2023. This is an amazing value to help you start doing more for your business, and it's all at digitaltattooers.com. This episode is also sponsored by Black Dagger Books. Every month, they release a book that features the artwork of a different tattooer. These are jam-packed from cover to cover with art from some of the hardest working artists in the community. You'll see some of your favorite artists featured, as well as learning about some new ones that will blow your mind. Finishing up their fourth year, we've seen books from Freddie Corbin, Chad Keplinger, Chris Marchetto, Heather Bailey, Marie Senna, and the list just keeps going on and on. The best part is that these are available as a subscription. For only 25 bucks a month, you get the new issue shipped to your doorstep. It's inspiring. It's supporting other artists. It's a tax write-off for you tattooers. But really, it's a celebration of the art and tattooing, and it's leaving a mark as one of the coolest collections in our culture right now. And this is a very easy message for me to deliver to you because I have bought probably every book that Black Dagger Books has made. Head over to blackdaggerbooks.com today to check out the pre-order that just went live for their new book, Memento Mori, and to sign up for your own monthly subscription. I'm quite interested to see the way the algorithm treats me because the algorithm can only suss me out by what I choose to consume, right? It's trying to tailor the ads to me. Yeah. It's trying to understand me. And it's not on point, really. It keeps <laughs> missing. It's selling me stuff I'm not interested in. Yeah. Right? Which I find interesting. Yeah. Because I know that there's this algorithm trying to suss us all out, right? Well, it shows how important what we put out is right. the big piece in that puzzle. Would you find that the ads are tailored to your needs or desires? Do you get ads on camera equipment? Of course. Right. So it, it's my mother gets ads that are tailored to the kind of dogs she owns yeah. and all the rest of it. I right? buy stuff from social media ads increasingly more because they are that good. Right. I see one thing, it'll be like, yeah, camera stuff. All the tattoo stuff, it's all numbing creams because that's what's being marketed to people. 
See, I don't so, get that even. Yeah. I get ads to shave my balls. What is it called? A landscape, manscaping and stuff like that. <laughs> these weird stuff. Like, why would they be selling me that? They but, probably cast the widest net yeah. of all these things. It's like so unspecific. It's like, do you have balls? <laughs> well, half of people in the world, I guess, do. <laughs> I do get a lot of conspiracy, like uh, self-help. Uh, yeah. Those kind of ads are like mm-hmm. how to reach the Palladians and how to. Yeah. Well, based on the. Consumption. The wacky yeah. stuff that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so that's one of the reasons that I've chosen not to participate in that world is I don't, like praise is something I've had to learn to live and deal with. If it gets showered on you, it's difficult to, to deal, to cope with. Mm-hmm. It's to put it in the right place, you know. Maybe it's not directly about me, but the image of me, Right. They're happy to meet me or to have been able to go and see, but they don't know me. Right. Not to take it to heart that much, not to really think it's that important, and you know, mm-hmm. put things in the right place just to keep your head straight. Well, not being present online is interesting because it's easy to anyone can assume anything about you. Mm-hmm. We can all follow your work for our entire careers, and then we make up who you are. Perfect example of this. So a bunch of years back, we were in a museum in Geneva doing an art fusion. There was a bunch of us, like 12 of us. And we did five days and they opened it to the public and we had thousands of people come in and watch us. We had a big line, a rope. We're doing the four riders of the apocalypse, like big mural size, Paul Booth, uh, Sabine, Hobart, Cinciara, Titin, Mia, a bunch of Italians, Pinuccio, different guys. And at one point, this little Italian guy goes, scusa, scusa, and he bangs me on the shoulder and he says in bad English, he goes, Filippo Leo is here. And I went, yeah. And he went, oh, good, and he ran off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's over there. (laughs) He was so happy as he ran away. (laughs) So he's happier. (laughs) It's funny to think, who did he think he was looking for? I have. Like, what did he expect you to be? I never got to follow it up. It's, it's a, Ching told me a funny story, Orient Ching, that the first time he met us on a convention, he, he waited like an hour to get a photo with me, ran off to show his friends, and they all went, nah, mate, that's Ajah, that's his brother, you got the wrong one. <laughs> 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 he had to come back and get another <laughs> selfie. Cool dude, Ching. I like, him, like his work. That one front piece he did with the big yellow moon, mm. the samurai guy with the snakes, that's one of the best suits around has been for years. I really, really like it. It's so powerful. It's so clean. Did you ever borrow that composition? Not to that scale, no. Ching is, is on a level. He's funny too. He said the first time he saw my work, he went, ah, it's crap, I don't like it. Because <laughs> he was into details. And now he said, now he likes it and he does that style. He's even gone further than me mm. in the sense of simpler and bigger and bolder and I mean, isn't that always the natural progression with yeah, this kind of it. stuff? Yeah. I really like it. I, I did, that, that it evolves. And Bill Salmon was very conceptual like that. We did that big hanyer on the guy's back, the one that took the hole from the ankle to the elbow. Mm-hmm. Still the biggest hanyer ever done. He dreamed it all up, Bill, in his mind. The one with the horn up on the arm? Yeah. yeah. He's been in recently. I colored it in all orange, just the hand. Yeah, we did the hair green the other day. The thing is now full color. Wow. 
years and years later, he used black and white for so many years, it's now mm-hmm. turned into this electric Kool-Aid fucking neon madness. Yeah. Fun that. First time I worked in San Francisco, yeah, with Bill. Very demanding clientele there. Very individual, pushy, much more than other places. People with true concepts. Mm. They weren't just waffling. They'd come in, they'd done their research, and they they put you to task. Do you think it's because they knew they had access to so many great tattooers? Yeah, I think Hardy put that in there. You know, San Francisco truly was the maker of tattooing when I got there in the 80s. They saw what was possible. Yeah, they were really pushing it. Everybody wanted to push. Like I did this, this midwife came and she got a whole leg piece. She brought me a couple of books and I had to do conception to birth. And it was the, the division of the cells and then the pre-embryo and then the embryo and then the fetus in the womb right down to the born baby. And, you know, very specific. Yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Given the reference, explained what they wanted. The frustrating part is when you're supposed to make it all up and then it ain't right. Mm-hmm. And you get these... Occasional ones, do whatever you want. I remember one of those, drew the sleeve on, Japanese, right? Um, uh, uh, in the mirror, uh, uh, I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, uh, this part, not good. Like, fine, rub it out. What, 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 oh, whatever you like. Drew, some, no, drew something else, no, six, six designs later. Yeah. I'm like, well, what do you want? He goes, oh, whatever you like. like I like the first one. <laughs> no, I didn't even do it in the end. I was like, no, you know. Yeah. No. Do whatever you like as long as it's what I'm thinking in my head and I won't tell you what it is. Yeah. Got no time for that. Well, it's hard because I, I think people truly think that they mean that when they say it, especially coming to someone for you, like you. They've seen tons of your work. They think, man, he doesn't miss. But then they see it on them and they're like, mm. and maybe like you were saying before, they can't actually see it. They don't they see what you see. see. It, yeah. And maybe sometimes it's as simple as that where they, they would love it, but they just can't see it. Well, that's where this iPad, which I was, you know, never use an iPad. I was one of those. And now we're like three, four years in, and I use it all the time because it's fucking great. You can really show people what you're thinking fast. Mm-hmm. You got that playback thing that shows you how long it takes, the time-lapse video. Yeah. Sometimes I look, I feed the guy's arm in the machine, three views, and I sketch on it under 10 minutes. And he has a full visualization of what I'm talking about. So, yeah, very handy tool. Yeah, it helps. When you can be confident that you're giving them what they want, there's, like, nothing to worry about. But then they've already seen it, so they see it when it's done. They're like, it's better on the iPad. (laughs) Colors were a little richer on the iPad. Yeah, but once again, back to the kind of people I work with. I don't tell too impulsive people. They wait many months to come and see me. Yeah. So by that point, all that's done with, you know, it's, it's... They're stoked. They're committed, they're, they're decided, they're, they're raring to go, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. They're creamed up. And I do my best to deliver. Do you feel more pressure now or did you feel more pressure in the past? I felt more pressure in the past. I came to an understanding of where I'm at. I'm enjoying it. It's just tattooing, you know, <laughs> We would need to chill out. Yeah. This is, this is, sometimes it's, 
It ain't that fucking serious. <laughs> it really isn't. I have much more important things. This is a pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a luxury, not a necessity. Yeah. I need this tattoo. It's just an idea. You don't need this tattoo. You want this tattoo, right? I've been asked how I feel you cover somebody's body, you've changed their life forever. I don't tell them to do it. People make a decision and I mark it down. I'm a witness, <laughs> you know, Yeah. to your change. It's not my choice. I'm just, I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but for real, I don't pull people off the street with a hook and a hook and a line. You know, right? So any changes made, they've already done them. Just this shift in their mind of now I'm going to be a tattooed man is done. I'm just here to market, and I understood that. I used to feel more involved, and I've come to realize, nah, I'm just the hands. Japanese tattooing different. You know, you go, you see the guy, you say, yeah, I want a tattoo, what do you want? Like a dragon, fine. You know, they talk a few little bits about it, but then the tattooer does what he does. Mm-hmm. They don't nitpick and see prep drawings and tell them how to do it or anything. They take what the guy makes. I haven't had a walk-in for years. Spontaneous off the cuff, hey... Thinking about getting a little something about here. I mean, you do that still? Not so much. I can see the fun and attraction of it. It's an adventure. It can be. It's like every day is a convention. Right. Which right. can be brilliant. I mean, it's got a lot less worries and heartache. I got an iPad full of projects that I work on constantly and worry over them and stick with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. I try and put more time on the conception now than I did before. Because I can. Because when I made paper drawings to to draw a full big tattoo and then to decide, you know what, I'm going to change just a hand. I mean, I used to do it, but then I'd have to cut out a piece of paper and glue it over the other one. And yeah. it, was, it was more labor intensive, where now I can dick with it right up to the end and fine tune it and fine tune it. It's like music. Digitally recorded music is never finished. Yeah. Yeah, you could go forever. <laughs> forever. It's the opportune moment where you step out. It's just, you know, abandoned rather than terminated. I know I'm not very linear in my thought. I've been told that before. I think we've we're been doing pretty well. But uh, I'll find connections to ideas that are like way over left field and I'll just jump. Right. <laughs> But that's okay. Mm. Well, it can keep things more interesting. People listen, they're like, wait a minute, he's fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about AI and the implications on tattooing? Yes, the implications on society and the world. I, I grew up uh, without a television set at home. Didn't have our first phone till I was in my early 20s. My dad didn't believe in it. We'd cross the street and use the phone booth to call the customers in Lausanne in the beginning. So I remember the world before the internet. 
I've been reading a lot of sci-fi since I'm little. And I don't have the doomsday view of AI like you hear a lot of people talking. Obviously, if it's in the hands of a homicidal maniac, it'll be a dangerous weapon. But I, I think more of the singularity. They, they reckon 2027 was the last date I heard somebody put out for when they reckon the machine might become self-aware. And I really am of the thought that it'll be benevolent. It'll be smarter than us, so it'll solve our energy crisis, pollution. It'll solve all the problems we can't. Every time humans come up with an idea to make things better, what fucks it up? We do. Greed, corruption, inaptitude, ineptitude, you know. It's people who fuck up, even good ideas. A machine won't have that problem. You'll give it a good idea to execute and it'll do it, right? Yeah. For it being used like these AI design programs, programs which I'm just starting to see a bit, are quite mind-blowing. Talking about how I like the individuality of being able to spot somebody by his style, that kind of will go out by the... Everybody will start looking the same, people that use it, unless they're good at using it. Right. You know, and really... I don't know, maybe feed in an initial sketch that's yours and have it complete the work for you. Maybe you could request a mashup of your favorite tattooers. I know, but somebody else could then do the same thing. You need a starting point that separates you from the rest, right? Right. I suspect that I've started seeing a few banners on the conventions that have been done with this, mm. this program because... You see what's like a really cool banner and then you look at the work and it's not, it doesn't look the same. Yeah. That's the first time I thought of it. I was like, wow, that's like really cool artwork, the banner, you know. The tattooing wasn't the same. Ultimately, how we get to the design, I don't care. This idea that I had, and a lot of people had it, and I went through it for a while, where if I didn't design it all myself, I was cheating. It's stupid. It's moronic beyond belief that I had that point of view for a while. It's ridiculous. And I've since changed and gone back to reference. And I don't care where the design comes from. If it's a good design, my job is to be able to see something and go, wow, look at that. That could make a good tattoo. Because it's impossible. How, how how can I be good at drawing everything? It's just pointless, right? And so if people use AI and come up with really good tattoo designs, the customers profit. What did Horiyoshi? I mean, he was a big influence. He's one of the most prolific artists in tattooing. This guy drew it so much and painted. I remember when he looked at my work once when I was in Japan and he said, uh, you want to do Japanese? And I went, yeah. He goes, don't bother drawing samurais and all of this stuff. Learn how to draw the background. Take the samurais out of books and the fish and the geishas and stuff. There's too much to learn. So use good figures from reference and study the background. That's good Japanese work is a good background, right? Yeah. Which is something more difficult for the AI to design for us. We're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the flow and this and that, how to place the water on the arm and the clouds and all of that's really fun. 
But we're not far off from it being able to do that as well. But yeah, just to recap, I think if it improves the designs of the tattoos, the customer's profit, everybody's, that's good. I'm not against it per se. Yeah. If Da Vinci was alive today, he'd be using it. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. You know, he was into technology using the light boxes and the camera obscure and the, the, the fucking projectors and all of this. That was used in the past. People think that the old masters didn't use projectors. They did. Mm -hmm. They really did. They had all kinds of tricks on how to transfer work and it wasn't all free-handed. They weren't all that good. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's easy to like romanticize the yeah. past. Yeah, but it's not right. The car, there's this one with the glass and the light and it projects it and you can look through it. We got one the other day online. It was really interesting. Old tools. Will this new generation of tattooers be a little up shit creek when they don't have access to the internet and they don't know how to draw a butterfly for a customer? Maybe, yeah. You know? But maybe they'll know how to draw as well. Maybe they'll learn from it. I do see the occasional mistake where I realize that, like I saw somebody in Berlin doing uh, a woman's head with a wolf kind of headdress, Indian style. And obviously the two pieces were taken from reference because they were all very well drawn, but the alignment was off. It was like the chick's head was going this way and the wolf heads was going that way. And nobody wearing a headdress in their right mind would wear the thing off to the side. That style. Wear it. No, yeah, <laughs> but they wear it forward. But the guy obviously didn't see it because mm -hmm. he didn't have that understanding of the art, that what he was trying to do, Yeah, which was shocking to me because the level, but he was copying, it wasn't drawing, right? So copying something. Did find out with the art fusion to jump for a second that some of these guys that we tried to get to paint draw with us that were really good realistic tattooers declined. They wouldn't draw with us because they couldn't freestyle. They didn't want to try and play with us because mm -hmm. they had no reference to work from. I would say to them, it doesn't matter, copy from memory. And remember, you spent hours doing this realistic work, just think of something you've done and try and render it on the paper, but they wouldn't couldn't well it seems like some artists that really dig into that stuff only it's almost all technical skill i mean they're always interpreting a, a bit but it's like to replicate they're so dependent on having the thing to replicate so i i mean it kind of makes sense something felix taught me early on was like four stages of a drawing first stage i'm drawing a face would be just form and shape Get the general shape and contours, more or less. And there you work a bit. Then perspective. You start adding in the boxes that show where the cheekbones are and the jaw, the little boxes for the ears, and you build this kind of robotic version of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Then there's the finished sketch, the pencil sketch, which for all intents and purposes is pretty much the whole drawing right there. And the last stage is the inking, the rendering. And one thing I've noticed in tattooing a lot is people, when I ask them to sketch me something or with the art fusion, they forego step one and two, jump straight to just step three and four. There's no, because that's where all the invention comes is in steps one and two. 
It's where you play with the shape of what it's going to be. Mm. And you, it's like playing with clay. You kind of form it, right? Dragon heads, I like to start with a, just a silhouette of the shape of what I want to make. The head and the mouth and the drawer, you know. And then I fill in the blanks. I build it. Where every single Japanese artist I asked to draw me a dragon started out with the knot in the middle. Then they drew both eyes. Then they did the nose, the miscus, then the drawer. And they built it like step by step, which is a systematic process of having learned something. But there is, it's harder to change and grow and have differences if you're always doing the same route, you know, to build something. Yeah, yeah, you just know one way to get there. Yeah, so that was one thing my dad did turn me on to, Felix, about this spending time on the first two phases of something. And that's where a lot of invention happens and a lot of character can be put into something. And I think, yeah, people using the... Even the iPad, if all they're doing is, is finding things online and tracing them off, you will learn a bit like that, but you don't understand the process, the mechanics of... You said it before, knowing how to learn, to teach yourself something, understanding the steps, right? Yeah. To break it down, to then build it back up. Yeah, I mean, I can think of times now where I've definitely skipped step one and two, and I feel like I spend more time trying to fix like the scaffolding when if I had just started and figured that out first, then it would have been a lot easier and better. What's that saying? You can't polish a turd. If the yeah. baseline is off, it's off. Mm -hmm. And you can put all the sprinkles you want on it. There's always going to be something wrong, right? Because yeah. the structure is not right. Mm -hmm. And the more you draw, the more you learn. Like if you can do a nice tribal sleeve, you can also do a nice water sleeve, fire sleeve, biomech sleeve, it all follows the same flow lines. Yeah, there are there are lines that fit on the body that we learn. That's what you learn over time by drawing on the human body, lines that, that bend well and, and sit well. These, these power lines that uh, once you've got them, you, it'll help with all your work. You just f flow along those lines. And flow I find important for a tattoo. Sometimes I think if, if the tattoo is just slapped on when the person's standing there and then when they sit down and they lean over a bit and the thing looks horrendous it's kind of maybe not the right design in the right place because i do care what it looks like when your arm is bent because there's a certain amount of your life you'll be sitting around with your arm bent and it needs to look good in that position too just like body design mm -hmm. that, that it's hard to do when you're just drawing on an ipad because I've got years and years on the body and I still make mistakes on the iPad. I have to correct when I'm on. I'm like, yeah, no, fuck, I screwed that up. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's an aspect of working larger that has still, like, it intimidates me every time. But there's just a few things to understand. And then, like, if you can do an arm, you can do a leg. The leg is an arm backwards, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the buttocks is a real trip. Ass design is like fun because it's hard it really is a hard place to do a good design that works standing and sitting and bent and there's so much distortion involved do you think that that's the the crux of the whole thing 
And I feel like people's butts can be wildly different. Very. In a way that other body parts maybe aren't as very. Well, you get the ones that have the shelf or you got the ones that slide in and out the same. It's almost the same coming off the top like the bottom. They're the best. Yeah. They're like the booby butt. They don't have to, f to fold under it. Yeah. I wanted to make a book a while ago. It's going to be called Butt Pieces. Right? <laughs> and it was just close up of butts. <laughs> It never came to fruition, but it would have been a good coffee table book, you know, mm. like an, uh, something to talk about because a well-tattooed ass is a glorious thing. It looks really good, you know. Yeah. And a poorly tattooed ass is... I've told this story before. I was in Japan and I went, I was lucky enough to go and watch uh, Mr. Kuranuma Horiyoshi II tattooing for a day in his studio. He had this beautiful little garden studio with the garden outside and hidden, private, and, and he was an amazing artist, this guy. Like a really, really good. And he gave me some advice with an interpreter because I didn't speak English. I was 17. Told me it took him two years to learn scales. I'm sitting there with a Megadeth T-shirt on, thinking to myself, bollocks, won't take me as long. Boy, was I wrong took me way longer. I'm starting to get my head around it. Scales, the geometry involved. But I also enjoy scale work a lot. It gives all the dimension to your stuff and really shows what's moving away and moving forward. Because, you know, the machine's only as smart as we make it. It's only got the capacity to work with its image banks. So I guess the more people feed stuff in, the better this stuff will get. Yeah. I mean, looking at our tools, it went hand poke, rotary, coil. I hoped it would move into like electromagnetic, no moving parts, no springs, just magnetism. My fantasies of a future machine. This weird kind of silver pen you'd hold with the needle that would kind of float above it and move just through, suspended into space and... Not that easy. The idea of the ultimate design, like so this show where they were talking about some designs just can't get any better. They were showing that the Egyptian guys who did mummies, they had a scalpel that is the same scalpel we use today. The shape just there is no thing better. Yeah. Or how a Harley Davidson from the you know, nineteen oh five or whatever, it's still the same. It's just been refined, but basic design of the V-twin hasn't changed. It's just that they've tweaked it, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe we've reached the top of our design. I don't know. I use coil machines, and if you look at the patent, it's 1927. I built my machines that I have with me with Richard Pinch, Good Luck Iron. And when he's got a workshop, I went to, to Ireland, uh, Scotland, Aberdeen, and uh, built the machines, wrapped the coils ourselves and everything, you know, built the whole thing up. I'd learned to make machines with Paul Rogers, but they literally haven't changed since 1927. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Show me another tool, you know. <laughs> right, right. Microphone, camera, fucking typewriters become laptops. Uh, most new kids don't even know phones used to have cords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, certain stuff has changed so much. 
yeah. the last 10, 20 years. But yeah, it's interesting to think about things that have stayed the same. I was reading your Tattoo Artist Magazine interview, which was probably about 20 years ago. Yeah, something like Give that. or take. And there was one part where you mentioned that um, you were expressed curiosity about thinking if there was possibility to improve on the design of the tattoo machine. And while I think with the pen machines that that is uh, something new, but it's still at its core, just a rotary machine, but like a refined version of it. It's interesting that 20 years later now, we're still kind of having the same conversation and the answer is still, well, I don't know. Well, the difference is, is that 20 years ago, you struggled with the machines today. They're almost idiot proof. I mean, wow, you know, clip, plug in and off you go. It's light, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's disposable. It's it's fucking so easy, yeah. So I think compared to the old rotary, these pens are a massive improvement. More and more people are jumping ship. You know, the loyal to the coil group. <laughs> it's getting smaller and smaller. Why do I stick with the coil machine? I really know them. I'm comfortable. They work well, they're efficient. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Tried the pens, they were good. They're slower. I believe they are slower. They slowed everybody down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I worked with them for a while, if I could really work as fast as I can with the, the coils, maybe. I don't say no. But I ask everybody the time when I do the judging, and I am constantly blown away about how fucking long this shit is taking people out there. Where I, I'm so much faster, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's just the design, it's the coil, do I... I don't take breaks when I work, I don't talk, but... Derek's arm there, the one with the skull, that was one sit, that was under four hours, right? Mm-hmm. To do two skulls and water in black and white on a sleeve. Nobody's doing that with a pen. So I wonder why, right? I feel like there might be limitations to how big of a needle grouping that they're able to push. I got got 30-something over there somebody gave me. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried it yet, but they seem to have quite big ones now available for the the pen. I wonder how effective it would be compared to the machines that you're typically using. Like for you to compare the two would be interesting. Yeah, I need to try. I mean... There was the swash swash drive. You remember that one? The oscillating one. I broke yeah. that pretty quick. Uh, you know, that was my, uh, every time I get given one of these things, I tried out and mm-hmm. I burned that one out in no time flat. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried the Dan Kubing yet. I've yeah. had a lot of good return on that. Those are interesting. The ones yeah. with the armature bars and stuff. Yeah, and that it's weird kind of like side a, spring and everything. Yeah. It's an interesting, like, in-between, I think. Yeah, weird hybrid. But yeah, it, it's... It hasn't gone forward like I thought it would, the, the machine part of it. You know, talking about technology, I'm sure that if this was really worked on, we'd have ink cartridges you could clip onto the machine so you don't have to dip. You know, I filmed myself for fun in um, time-lapse. It's what they do in factories to try and improve a worker's situation, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I have a movable table that comes near to where I work. So I don't have to lean all the way over there to get my ink. I only have to go here, right? Which cuts down the work time. I, I bring my table, it's an articulate arm, it comes right next to me. Yeah. But if I didn't have to dip for ink and work, 
at all. Take a third of my time off. I saw a video of somebody who made a solution. I saw it. He had this drip bottle on top. Dick, 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 yeah. dick. It looked great. Mm-hmm. It disappeared. I didn't see any follow-up on it. Yeah. But to commercialize this, to make this accessible and easy, more comfortable too, when you're in the skin, the pain becomes manageable. It's just stabbing it every time that it hurts. Mm. So if you could color in for longer without having to go get ink, it'd be more comfortable. The time you'd save would be off the charts. Yeah. So there's some real, real room for improvement. The cordless thing, that was a nice aspect of the pen. Kind of, I've been dragging this massive fucking clip cord behind me for years. It's, it's annoying. It's like trying to draw with a kitty cat hanging on your wrist, you know? <laughs> I never thought it was cumbersome until it wasn't there. Yeah, right? It was like, wow, this is like comfy. You realize how much time and thought that you're like not paying. It's not in the front of your head, but you're thinking about like how yeah. it's moving around you. Yep. and Absolutely. Yeah. So there's large room for improvement. I think they should get their fingers out of their butts and start working on it. You know, whoever is... I heard a bunch of tattoo supplies were bought up by corporations in America. Mm-hmm. That there's some big money behind tattooing now. They smelled cash and so. Yeah. And I wonder if those people, those like investment groups or whatever you'd call them, if it's still just small peanuts for them to own the biggest tattoo suppliers, is that like their smallest investment? I wonder how it all stacks up. Yeah. I mean, what's the idea? I watched that, that documentary on Amazon and the way they did it. The way the guy got investors to back him for 10 years with no profits so they could undersell everybody and end up having a monopoly on the market, they could do the same. Mm-hmm. I heard talk about adding magic markers, you know, getting into tattoo pigment. That's a big company. Uh, I don't care who makes the pigment. A lot of talk is about it being, you know, sterile, which is less important than non-toxic. Right, right. In in magnitude, you know, levels of danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an aspect to it they don't talk about. How about the light fast aspect of it? How light fast is it? How resistant to you know ultraviolet are these? Right. The more the more resistant it is to to, to the light, the more nauseous it might be for us. Right. Everyone always wants to keep all the business inside of tattooing, which I understand. But at a certain point. There could be huge, to have a little more juice behind it. There could be advancements that are made, but I think it would always have to be a collaboration. Do you know, we trust these needles. Yeah, absolutely. But we trust needles made abroad. I've heard plenty of stories about needles coming out of China where they're not even sterilized. They just pretend they are, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But we all trust it. I mean, the medical industry suffers the same, not just us. Capitalism, baby. Yeah. So as long as the product's good, I really care not where it comes from. Yeah. Just want to have it. So what's left? What's left for tattooing? How much more can we squeeze out? I I think I'm surprised at where it's gone in my life, and I don't see this being over just yet. This is not something like a fashion trend. You get solid tattoos for life. You see these guys lasering off their faces online and stuff. It ain't that easy. It really ain't. So we're here to stay. It's going to be a long time before they manage to push us back under the carpet. 
generations, I think. I don't think this wave has crested yet, you know. I think there's still a massive momentum behind it. The lockdown really brought a lot of people to the industry. A lot of people had lost their jobs or decided to change their lifestyle or decided to become independent mm -hmm. and chose tattooing as a vehicle. So there was, over the last three years, there's a massive influx of people that wouldn't have touched it before. Housewives from the neighboring village and stuff, they all come and see me. They, they do online courses and they buy the pens and they just start. So, yeah, it's going to go more and more artists, more and more artists. How many will stay remains to be seen. There are a lot of these people that are going to figure out it ain't a golden lifestyle they thought it was. It ain't as rock star as it looks from the outside. Right. Because somewhere over the last few years, and I think maybe, you know, Ink Master and those guys did it, the idea of being some DJ fucking superstar mixed into tattoo, when those things got mixed together, being a really hardworking artist is not no rock and roll lifestyle. No. You're out in your shop, you're working, you're drawing, you're prepping, you're cleaning, you know, you're, 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 you're studying, you know, it's it's not this bling bling, I run around in a Bentley life that I see portrayed online sometimes, I don't get it. Yeah. it's it. When did those two things get mixed together, you know? Instagram star, you know, tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. It's sadly not like that. And I think when these fuckers find it out, they're going to go, fuck this. This is way too hard. I think I'm going to do something else. So, yeah, all these people running into the industry, I don't think all of them will stay. I mean, I've been waiting for you to offer me a ride in one of your many Ferraris that were parked out around the side, but yeah, they're maybe all later. <laughs> they're all down the shop. <laughs> because it's so easy to get in, it's just as easy to leave, right? Yeah. Where you, you used to have to fight to be a tattooer. Now you just have to order something online. I feel like I don't sweat the idea of too many people starting be, for that exact reason, that uh, there's going to be just as many people. If we're so sure that it's not for everybody, then they're going to figure it out too. Yeah. They're, they're not going to like it. Exactly. And that is that is what it is. And that's okay. They gave it a shot and it didn't work out. No, hopefully, you know, I thought that as the tattooing got better, that the... Uh, the crap guys would get dealt out because people would get hip. Yeah. Didn't work out like that. That's interesting. Right? Why do you think that is? There's so much good stuff out there. Because there's this, it's really, I think if you divide it into two groups, the group that want to get tattooed because it looks beautiful and they enjoyed it, visual aspect, and the group that want to get tattooed because it's a finger to mommy and daddy or it's society or they want to make a statement, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. Which group do you think is bigger? I think the group that do it for the action is bigger than the group that do it for the visuals. Right? Yeah. I think that's why, because they don't give a fuck. As long as they got their tattoo and their buddies tell them it's good, they're happy. But for a lot of people, I think that's their springboard into learning more. Because people learn over time what they like. Yeah. You know, it seems like a lot of people will get a handful of whatever tattoos and then they're kind of zero in them if they're actually paying any attention, which I think a lot of people do. I had to do it a few years back where I did the impossible cover-up. I mean, it was a back piece, <clears throat> both ribs, half-finished ribs, horrendous. He got it done over a few months period, like insane. 
by some scratcher in some small town in France, went to his first convention and realized how bad his work was because everybody told him. Oof. Got depressed, the whole thing, right? Damn. Um, so I did my very best to try and fix it up. It was a lot of work. Yeah, he really rushed into it and didn't think. These tattoo schools as well, there's loads of them now. Close to becoming officially recognized, like you mentioned yourself, this is happening where it's a, a government-recognized curriculum, you know, with a diploma, which doesn't mean shit just because you got a diploma. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? Right. I liked what it was more free... I remember being in the States and there was a bunch of people at some convention. I forget, they were trying to form laws to tattoo association of something or other. And one of the rules were that if you didn't finish high school, you couldn't get a, an apprenticeship, which would have dealt me right out, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was really unfair. I don't need to be good at ice sculpture to be able to tattoo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean... It's true. No, I just think people should remember it's a public service job. We're here to make people happy, not just ourselves. Doing a tattoo so you get a good Instagram photo and lots of likes, fuck the customer, it's just wrong. Uh, I think that's sad, you know. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's what's distorting people's perceptions and judgments and stuff like that catering to this fucking phone and praise from somebody you don't even know you'll never meet there was a there was an instagram uh, or no instagram or online fight with uh Oriyoshi a few years back i followed that intently and uh the people that would comment speak with such authority Always. And then you go and look at who they are. It's some 14-year-old kid from Des Moines, Iowa that's in the model trains or something, and he's on this fucking chat giving opinions about something that was really serious and really painful for somebody I know. And I thought, shut the fuck up. You don't, you know, who the fuck are you to comment like that? I mean, should everybody have the right to say whatever they want, whenever they want? Power to the people. Did that work out? Is that a good thing, you know? Well, with the internet, I think so many people feel so far removed from the reality of any of these things that what I've found a lot is if people write some like pretty shitty comment or something, if I responded to it, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't think you'd write back. And then they change their tune a lot. Right. Because they almost didn't mean it or they didn't mean it with that energy at least. Yeah, they just want to participate. Yeah, they just want to jump in. Yeah. But it's like, they don't even think you're a real person. Well, that's what's kept kept me off Instagram. Yeah. I don't... I'm afraid what I'd say to the world at four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because... That's smart. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Because in, going the other way, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, 50 years from now, we'll all be dead and nobody gives a fuck. I know that. Too. Yeah. Yeah, to not participate in that is... I think it's yeah, the obvious good decision to make. I just don't want to look for my validation or for my happiness at the, at the hands of strangers. Mm. Yeah. Because they're a fickle bunch and they'll turn against you as quick as they lift you up, right? Yeah. That was something that stuck with me that Army James said on your, your podcast with him mm-hmm. about how this industry will support you and 
back you as long as you're trying to get something together and do it. And when you fucking made it, they all want to rip you down. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 that resonated with me in the sense of how quickly your fans, fans, yeah, can turn around and bite you, you know? Yeah, and he definitely went through it. I mean, I had a small example of that. When I started using the iPad, I sent some... Some dude did a request for a cover-up online, so I made a quick version of it on the iPad, drew on top of his photo, sent it back. I got a shitty response. I'm really disappointed. This is not what I expect. It's not the Philip Lou style that we've grown to understand and love. And all because I did it on the iPad? Hmm. Never mind my idea that I drew for him, found a good idea for his cover-up. That was not even in the mix. Yeah. It's because he didn't get what he wanted, the way he thought it should be done, because... He wanted to put me in a box and say that's the way Philip does it. Right. Not the Philip Lou style. I mean, what is he talking about? It's the version of you that he had, had lived in his head. Yeah. He was actually shitty about it. That's Needless crazy. to say, I didn't answer him. He was gone. Wow. I... <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I saw, what the fuck? <laughs> really? But I, I guess it's good he revealed himself at that point. Yeah, we didn't have to go any further into India. Never. But just, just the way he turned around and snapped at me. Well, there was another one. I can't answer all the emails. I try and, me and Loretta try to deal with it. Sometimes some we just can't. And some dude wrote this fucking email. And it was, there was something in it that didn't, didn't like the sound of it. And a little bit too psycho disciple kind of. There was just something in it. Decided to think about it. it took a month. He got it right back to us within the month and fucking ripped me a new asshole, called me an asshole and my shitty attitude and he would never allow me to tattoo but this whole thing, right? And I'm thinking, well, I was right when I first, my first impressions and he went and did the job for me, right? <laughs> but he went from too much praise to too much aggression. This guy, know? passionate guy. <laughs> yeah, really passionate. <laughs> He's convicted. I don't know why he got so bloody upset and so nasty about it. Well, you shouldn't have been such a shithead to him, I think. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me and my conceited fucking attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I like people with more humor. There's always an overflow every season. And this, this, a few years ago, this Italian guy, I said, look, I'm sorry, I'm full this year. You try me again next year. And he wrote back, he goes, you're not doing this to me anymore. It's been going on for 13 years and I'm tired of it. So I need an appointment. I was like, okay. And I snuck him in and... Uh, he turned out to be a really cool guy. We get along. I've worked on him a whole lot since then. But yeah. he had a sense of humor about it, you know. Sure. It's just uh, I've only got two hands and I do the best I can. And Well, like you said, it's just tattoos. Yeah, chill. Like in terms of that stuff, like it can wait. If you want this, that your time will come. You just got to get, you got to chill. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is tattooing is like over. <laughs> That's what I gathered from this. <laughs> well, this privileged fucking old school, treat everybody like dog shit, yell at the customers and fucking do whatever you want. That might be over, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that there is there, people don't have to put up with that anymore. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I didn't agree with that. And when I see the, I've seen a few of these younger old school guys that wanted, I've seen dudes on conventions make little girls cry and stuff like that and feel like macho men about it. Mm -hmm. mm. I hope there is no future for that because there's no need. There's no need. When people act like there's no chance they'll ever tattoo someone a second time. I don't get it. I don't subscribe to it. I don't like it. 
I don't like the Brutal Black project. I didn't like their approach. I disagree with the violence behind it. There is no need for aggression and violence. To say that if you want brutal style black work, it needs to be done that way is just not true. I could do the same style without being brutal. You know, it wasn't right. They didn't force anybody. Everybody's free to do what they want. I'm free to not like it. It went against everything I've been trying to do in tattooing. Yeah. About how to treat other humans, how to be. Because we're in a privileged power, power position. We hold the, all the cards. We have the machine in our hand. We're the ones marking the other person up for life till the grave. And with great power comes great responsibility, I believe, you know, yeah. and recognize it and, and, and be aware of it. Absolutely. And I don't like when I see it abused. I think it's wrong. But then I don't like when pseudo-gurus get into people's heads or fucking fortune tellers or all the rest of it, all this other shit that people subscribe to, that's just whatever. I don't. You know, I keep getting these things in the letterbox, you know, Dr. Mobutu or whatever, you know, fortune teller can read you. If he really was, he'd know he shouldn't advertise at my house because I'm not going to buy anything. <laughs> Through the advertisement, he's proved that he's a charlatan, you know? <laughs> right? You just addressed it wrong, that's yeah. all. It was for your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, right there. Um, and yeah. yet they have so much business, these industries, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking faith healers and the Benihanas and all but that. Aren't there people out there that are looking for that too? Desperately. Yeah. Desperately. I mean, I love watching American preachers, fucking Paula White, holy snapping and fucking, the woman was Trump's advisor in the White House. She speaks in tongues, for God's sake. It's mm-hmm. like way out there. Yeah. Um, those look at the those size southern the, snake churches. Where yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at the, but the other ones, look at the size, 16,000 people fucking, you know, huge events. Mm-hmm. And people flock to it. There's Jimmy Swaggart, he got, Busted doing crank off an underage male prostitute's stomach in some motel, cried a little bit on television, and they didn't leave him his following. He's still in business. Yeah, it just strengthened his grift a little bit. Wow, right? You know, yeah. like, holy shit, you got to, like, take your hat off in awe <laughs> at the balls of these people. But uh, that's the basis of all of it. Blind, just trust. Well, faith was defined by somebody the other day as a, uh, the willingness to to suspend critical thinking. You cannot think critically about it. You just have to believe, mm-hmm. period. My brain doesn't work like that. Yeah, because I said so is not... It does, no, it's not good enough, right? Yeah. I can't. I just can't. And, and would I like magic and mysticism in my world? Yeah, sure, I would. I've been looking my whole life, you know? As of yet, I found nothing that convinces me. Mm-hmm. Serendipity, I mean, chance, luck, all of these things, sure, yeah. But concretely, I have nothing that's swayed me. And there's a little bit of that in tattooing, I suppose. We forget what a mystical, magical thing this is for some people to come and allow us to jab them in the fucking flesh and 
Mark's about for life. It's 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 right next door to a religious experience. Mm-hmm. And we tend to forget because it becomes mundane. It's our daily. And it's a powerful experience for a lot of people. And if done right, like Bill said, it's an empowering, uh, it's a very, you know, powerful and, and strengthening people wear their tattoos like a badge of honor, like a suit of armor mm-hmm. with pride, you know. That's, that's what I like in tattooing. Yeah. The empowering part. It makes you feel good about yourself. You feel like, nice, it's good, you know, for whatever reason which are very personal. Those are the ones it's hard to say, oh, it's just this, it's not. It's, there's a million reasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I see people getting off on their tattoos, I feel good about it then. Did a bodysuit with beat on a, on, a, on a 50-year-old guy for a well-to-do family and a well-to-do job. He had zero tattoos. Came in. He got five dragons on his body with black and gray background Japanese full suit in about a year and a bit. Just finished him up a little while ago. He did the summer, man. He just wrote me an email. He had the most amazing summer on the beach he's had in 50 years of being alive. He was the queen of the beach. <laughs> everybody who came to look at him, everybody complimented him, and he's loving it. Yeah. It's changed his life. Mm-hmm. He's, he can't, you know... So that to me is, is is makes me happy, you know. That's a good thing. It's what it's all about. For me, yeah. You know, fucking up somebody's and having so they hide in their room and don't want to go out anymore and can't see anybody, I'd feel terrible. It's terrible. Mm. I wanna live in a free world where everything's okay as long as you're not hurting anybody. You wanna you wanna fucking Call yourself banana, do whatever you want. It's fine, you know. Tattoo your face, don't tattoo your face. Uh, wear 150 piercings in your upper lip. It's fine, you know. If, if Swing from the rafters by the skin in your knees. Uh, it might not be something I'm into doing, but I wouldn't, like, chase them out at the conventions or try and separate too much. It's one big, crazy family. There was a talk, I remember, in the 90s about not allowing... Facial tattooing or piercing on on the conventions and stuff like that. It's kind of impossible to segregate and, and separate. We're all trying to be outlaws and we're going to make our own laws. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that's always possible. It's always in the cards after a certain amount of time. All right, let's round this up here. Let's end on a... Well, I did want to ask, because before you mentioned if you could live for 300 years, you'd want to have multiple careers. What do you think your future careers would be? Metalworks always interested me because having chosen a profession that's so short-lived, my work only lives as long as the people wearing it. I'll survive in photographs and stuff like that, but to physically make things that could last a long time, I still want to make things. Mm -hmm. Woodworking is another profession. I love the smell of wood and the pleasure of, of... I watch people doing on those, those lathes, they turn wood and they carve into it and fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. Building vehicles, you know, the, the mechanics as well. Uh, maybe a life is just a painter. There's so many things I find interesting, you know. To be allowed to be alone and just to paint. Because it takes a long time to get into it. 
and then you stay immersed. And if you got to break out and tattoo regular, and you're tired, and it's hard to do both. I could do the illustration side because that's connected to the tattooing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I would be a airline pilot or anything like that. <laughs> a firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> or a chef. I don't think I do that. I used to say I have three perfect jobs for me would be ice cream tasting, <laughs> mattress testing, movie critic. <laughs> Could do all three at the same time. You yeah. Know? That'd be a great life. <laughs> <laughs> Every week you get a new mattress. Mm-hmm. You should write a little report. <laughs> on to the next on to the next <laughs> different kind of ice cream every afternoon <laughs> well I want to say thank you very much for having me out to do this This for me in tattooing this is one of my greatest pleasures to have the, the excuse and the reason to whisk myself to a place like this and sit down with someone like you and have these conversations it's, it's very special for me so thank you for that and I hope yeah. everyone listening enjoys it and uh, got as much out of it as I already have. And that's that. We did it. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate the time to try and explain my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're here at the end, and you really can't say I've never given you anything because over the last two episodes, you've gotten three hours with Philip Liu, and I wouldn't have it any other way. If somehow you found this episode first, go back and listen to part one. And please check out this episode's sponsors and show them support for supporting a show like Books Closed. We've got Tattoo Dream, Doss M, Tattoo Nectar, Black Dagger Books, and Equal Vision Records. Thank you to all of you for making this possible. And of course, endless thanks to Philip, Titan, and Loretta Liu for everything they did to make this trip to Switzerland unforgettable. I'll be back next episode where I'll be joined with Savannah, Georgia, tattooer, Zach Spurlock. We'll see you then. Thank you.